This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, golf fans, and welcome to the Olympics. Yes, the Olympics are here this week, the men, next week, the women, Olympics and golf. It is back throughout the next two hours. We'll be discussing the Olympics in full detail, a full preview of the men and the women. The men get underway in a couple days here, women next week. Adam Scully here alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off Golf Talk Canada for this week and next week. He's actually doing some Olympic duty himself where you'll be able to see him uh, on TV and online uh, doing some commentating, some analysis uh, for the Olympics, which I know is an opportunity he's very excited about. But uh, Bob, it's just you and I here for the next couple of weeks talking golf. Well, that's good. Then uh, maybe we'll get a word in edgewise with our uh, good friend uh, Mark. No, good, good. Congrats to Mark. He's going to uh, be a busy guy, and I'm sure the uh, Olympics is is uh, is going to be great to cover. It's going to be exciting to kind of watch the guys um, go at it this week, and then see Brooke and Elena next week. And uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not. You know, the hours aren't exactly conducive to great watching, but uh, but it's uh, it's good and good for Mark. And congratulations to him and. Uh, Let's uh, let's see what we can do without him here. Absolutely. It, you know, it's funny you mentioned the hours because uh, strictly as a viewer, um, TV coverage gets underway at around 6.30 Eastern starting Wednesday evening. So it's prime time golf going late into the evening past midnight into the 1 or 2 a.m. window. If you're out west, it's perfect prime time viewing. We find a lot of different TV viewing windows recently here, Bob. You know, look back to the U.S. Open. Torrey Pines, and he, I know you were there at Torrey Pines, but here in Eastern time that ended at a, between 9 Eastern and 11 Eastern. Then he had the Open Championship, which is, you know, you wake up to watch golf, which is great. But now we have this, so more primetime viewing. And for the viewer, you have to love this. I mean, maybe, maybe for us media folk, it can be a little challenging at times getting things done at 1 or 2 in the morning. But for the viewer, you have to love this opportunity. Yeah, the primetime golf is always good. I always like watching the uh, West Coast swing when we're on the East Coast here. Early in the year, as you say, you get to get it at prime time, and uh, plus it doesn't uh, doesn't take away from your golf day. If you want to go out and play golf, you can do that, and then come home, have dinner, and watch the golf. Uh, but I'm excited for the Olympics. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's really going to be a good uh, a good feel. It's a great field. It's an interesting golf course. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we go through mm -hmm. here today. But uh, I'm excited. Very excited for sure. It's a great field. Uh, some notable omissions now. Our players not going to be teeing it up, which we'll get into momentarily. But before we get to, into news and headlines, Bob, this is a conversation we've had before. But, you know, the Olympics were here, 2016, straight up stroke play format. Same format this time around. In a perfect world, you know, the next time the Summer Olympics are here, and assuming golf is back in that Olympic Games again, how do you think they could spice this up just a little bit in terms of combining the men and the women? Well, in a big picture, I think there needs to be some kind of team element to it. And I think, you know, it. I'm not quite sure how that spells out, if it's uh, males and females, if it's... Uh, a two-man team if it's like the world cup where you know you have uh 
uh, alternate shot one day and better ball the next day. Um, but I just think that the stroke play is doesn't do golf any favors. And, and you know, this is a showcase for the game. This is hopefully something they can use to spur it on into parts of the world where golf is not necessarily a, uh, a main event sport. And um, you can see what it's done for a lot of other sports, how they've done it. But I just think a team element of some sort. I mean, in a perfect world, I think it would be great to have a mixed uh, mixed event, um, one man, one woman, uh, and play better ball for four days or something like that. But uh, but for even the players I've talked to about it, uh, yeah, four you know four rounds of stroke play, we kind of do that all the time. But I think to establish itself first in the Olympic family, and then you grow from there probably. Yeah, I'm with you there too. When I was talking with Elena Sharp about three weeks or a month ago, she was saying the same thing, just to maybe spice things up a little bit, something different, because this is something that you do week in, week out. I know on the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour, there is a week of team format. Um, you know, the LPGA Tours was a couple weeks ago, but you know what? I'm excited for this. The Olympics are here. Tommy Fleetwood had a great tweet this morning saying, I bleepin' love the Olympics. So he's excited. Everyone's excited. We're excited. And before we dive into it more, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Okay, Bob, so I mentioned many of the top players in the world are playing at the Olympic Games this week on the men's side. But a couple of players were forced to withdraw over the weekend Due to COVID-19, both Bryson DeChambeau and John Rahm testing positive for COVID-19. And you might think, wait, John Rahm tested positive for COVID at the Memorial, what, four, five, six weeks ago, won the U.S. Open in between, and now he tests positive again? This is just a strange story. Yeah, and I don't think we know enough about the science, about what's going on inside John Rahm's body right now to figure it out. But essentially, seven weeks ago at the Memorial, he tested positive. Um, but since that time, he to get out of his quarantine, he had two negative tests. He was tested before he got to the U.S. Open. He was tested before he got to the Open Championship. He was tested when he left the Open Championship, but they had an exit test. All of those came back negative, and then all of a sudden now it comes uh, comes back. The only thing I've I've sort of seen so far is that there is an indication that you can have it in your system for three months uh, as far as testing protocols go, so it can show up again. So. You know, I don't, I, I don't begin to understand, as I said, what's happening here. But John Rahm seemed to be straightforward. We haven't really, he's, he's issued that kind of uh, boilerplate statement, but I don't mm -hmm. think he uh, even probably understands exactly what's happened or exactly what's gone on. Uh, with Bryson, it's, you know, first time, I guess. And, um, you know, who knows if he's vaccinated or not. We know John Rahm has been vaccinated. We don't know if Bryson was or not. And uh, I think it's unfortunate for, uh, for DeChambeau. It's unfortunate for the Olympics to lose two big stars, including the world number one ranked player. Yeah, it's very unfortunate to lose both these guys, uh, two of the stars of the game. To, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau has done what he, you know, the two victories in 2020, 2021 thus far. Obviously, a lot of controversy off the golf course, uh, stirring things up on social media. And speaking of stirring things up, being replaced by Patrick Reed. So Patrick Reed, Captain America, is now heading uh, over to Tokyo. I believe he's probably in transit right now because he was just playing in the 3M Open, correct? Uh, he's still got to go and undergo some testing protocols. He will okay. probably be leaving, I believe, Tuesday morning, uh, but oh, I'm wow. not 100% sure of that. I know he had to go through some testing before he was allowed to leave. And, and we should point that out. Neither Bryson nor um, uh, John Rahm were actually in Tokyo. This, these mm. tests happened before they left, so they did not make it there and then go back. 
Well, speaking of, of people going over to Tokyo to a cover or play in the Olympics, we'll get into a very fascinating story in Winner's Weird and What from a, a well-known journalist who had made quite a journey from Tokyo and back. But we'll discuss that more a little bit in Winner's Weird and What. Uh, elsewhere in the golf world, lots going on, Bob. A European Tour event, the Nedbank Challenge in South Africa, has been cancelled uh, and this is another interesting story because this tournament's not going on for a couple of months, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, and it just—I I think you know, Nedbeck Challenge is is one of the bigger events on the PG on the uh, Euro Tour calendar. It's a significant event. Uh, Gary Player is kind of the the host of it, and you know, I think it just goes to show you that they're not all the way through the woods, no matter where you are, where you're running golf tournaments or whatever's going on. But there are just restrictions in place in South Africa, uh, and and different circumstances that just will not allow them to go forward with it. It's a sort of an interesting parallel to what we've got going on here in Canada where the CP Women's Open was cancelled and yet the Shaw Charity Classic, the, the Champions Tour event, uh, which is actually around, right around the same time as the other one would go, is, is going to go ahead. Limited fans and limited, um, limited uh, everything, I think, on the golf mm -hmm. course in terms of, uh, of, of uh, infrastructure, but it's still going to go ahead, at least at this point. So. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of different things going on right now in terms of uh, whether tournaments are going to be held or not. Yeah, for sure. You know, and John Rob put it in that statement too. We're not out of the woods just yet. I know some people, whether you're in Toronto or wherever you're listening to us, might think that you know COVID's now a thing of the past, but there's still cases you know on a daily basis. Still have to be cautious. Still wear your mask. Uh, and, and do, do what you can to stay cautious because we're not out of the woods uh, just yet. Now, another uh, part here in news and headlines, Grayson Murray put out quite a statement on Friday evening um, talking about how the PGA Tour hasn't exactly been a great place for him. It's been a struggle for him and more specifically, haven't done any help or assistance uh, with any addiction or uh, mental health uh, problems. Yeah, this is a guy who's won on the PGA Tour, and uh, <clears throat> he's found um, he's basically sort of came to learn that he just hated the uh, the PGA Tour life, the life of a PGA Tour, not playing golf, not competing, but the life that you have to go through to play on the PGA Tour. And it is; it can be a lonely life. You, you're on the road a lot. Uh, if you don't have a support group, if you don't have family, whatever there for you, then it, it can be very difficult. And he turned to some alcohol and uh, he said he reached out to the PGA Tour and really has not gotten any help at all. It's sort of a, we'll get back to you. And he did get some uh, some comments from some big names. Phil Mickelson sort of said mm -hmm. the same thing. Look, if you need help, uh, I'll help you. But And he said, you know, for me, I've got the same same response from, from the PGA Tour, which I thought was interesting from coming from Phil Mickelson. You'd always think that a guy who's very successful like that would have no issues, but uh, apparently he did, and I, I hope this raises a red flag for the PGA Tour that uh, you know they've got they've got a responsibility to help these guys out, and and Grayson Murray is is with well within his rights for speaking out like this. Yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, good on him for you know sharing this and and saying you know the, the PGA Tour has a long way to go in terms of helping people because Bob, as as we know, playing on the PGA Tour, <clears throat> excuse me, for players you see the top players in the world, their private jets the full team around them, but for guys who are 
you know, sort of on the border of, of being a Corn Ferry Tour player or PGA Tour, it, it can be a lonely life. It can be a challenging life. You're traveling alone from place to place. It, it, it's a hard life to, uh, to go through and, and to try to pursue your dreams of, of being a professional golfer. So uh, all the best here to Grayson Murray, and um, I guess we'll see what happens uh, from here. Uh, before we go to break, Bob, on a, on a lighter note, and a great note here for the McKenzie Tour, PJ Tour Canada, back in action this week in Quebec, uh, and quite a field, too. It is quite a field. It's got a lot of interesting players in it. This is the kickoff of the uh, return for the McKenzie Tour, which didn't play last year. There's also sort of a, a, a companion tour, the Forum Tour, going on in the U.S. at the same time, but lots of lots of interesting names. Uh, Jamie Sadlowski, the four-time or, or yeah, two or three, four-time mm-hmm. World Long Drive champion is in the field. We've got uh, veterans like Ian Doig in the field. I mean, there's a, a slew of good uh, golfers from Quebec, not surprisingly. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see when this kicks off and, and uh, see what kind of scores these guys put on. But it's great to see the tour back in action. And uh, we'll be following it uh, here on, uh, on Golf Talk and, of course, on TSN. We definitely will. And one special shout-out. Uh, I've spoken about the high school team the high school golf team I was a part of with Alvin Choi, Rebecca Lee Bentham, and Richard Jung. Another person from our high school is actually in the field this week. His name is Adam McGurr, who I believe was at Weston or has been at Weston before in the past. I'm not sure if you know yeah. the name, Bob. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yep. good player. Very yeah. good player. That's great so, to see him out there. Nice. So he's in the field this week. Looking forward to seeing uh, what happens with that. And I will tell you as well, on Golf Talk Canada, starting next week, we'll have a full recap each week of the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. Very likely going to have the winner join us on a weekly basis here on GTC. So looking forward to getting that going. Uh, Next Monday, we'll be joined by the winner uh, on the PGA PGA Tour Canada, McKenzie Investments Open. That's going on in Quebec next week but speaking of winners cameron champ back in the winner's circle his third career pga tour win on the other side we'll hear from cameron champ and a couple of canadians who had a great showing at the 3m open this is golf talk canada this segment of gtc was presented by taylor made try the all-new tour response a tour quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour only from taylor made visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn more This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zacchino is off doing Olympic duty. Looking forward to seeing Mark as a part of the Olympic coverage uh, later this week, starting with the men's golf. We'll get back into some Olympic talk momentarily, but first, Bob, there was a PGA Tour event that went on and finished yesterday. Cameron Champ back in the winner's circle. We'll discuss his final round because, boy, it got dicey there at the end. Before we discuss Cameron Champ and his third career PGA Tour victory, let's hear from Champ. It is not so much technique. It's Everybody learns and everybody matures at different stages in their lives. So, um, again, I've always said, and it's just kind of how I am, I'm always a late learner or a late bloomer, um, and I'm trying to be the opposite of that. But, um, you know, now I'm, now I'm married. Now I, I, I have responsibilities. You know, soon I want to start a family w- with my wife. So, again, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's more so realizing what I want to do in the game of golf and then who I want to be at home. 
So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a balance you have to find, and if you don't, it can really haunt you, and um, it, it can cause a lot of issues. So I just feel like the last two months I've been in a lot better, better headspace and kind of realized what is truly important to me and what is not, and um, I've, I've, I've just been sticking to it. Cameron Champ back in the winner's circle for the third time in his PGA Tour career. The third player age 27 or younger to win in each of the last three seasons, joining Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, and Bryson DeChambeau. Pretty elite company there for Cameron Champ. And this is a guy, Bob, who when he came onto the PGA Tour, all the talk was about distance, distance, distance. This guy's he's not the tallest person in the world. He's not the most bul- he's not the bulkiest guy in the world. He's not looking you're not looking at Bryson DeChambeau, the incredible bulk. This is a guy who uses every ounce of weight he has, and he absolutely bombs it off the tee, and now he has his third career PGA Tour win. Yeah, he's got great leverage with his, uh, with his body, with his hands, with his, everything that he does to put into it. But uh, this, I don't want to say this win kind of came out of nowhere because he, he has played well at, at points. But, I mean, you look at his, uh, his record this year. He was 142nd on the FedEx Cup points list uh, heading into this week and coming off of, I think, one. He had a tie for 11th in his previous start at John Deere, but then one, two, three, four. Uh, five missed cuts and a withdrawal. So, um, you know, <laughs> this, it just goes to show you that you can turn things around very, very quickly with uh, with a couple of good shots and a little bit of a, uh, good breaks and some and some good feels. And uh, certainly he did that, and it's uh, it's nice to see. He's a good guy. Uh, he is more than just a long player. Um, but I think he needs to be challenged a bit. I talked with his coach, Sean Foley, who at times mm-hmm. he was sort of said, you know, he's he, he's not he, – he's sort of content – to be where he is he needs to get a little fire in the belly and i think we saw some of that on the weekend and looking at it from a fantasy or betting perspective cameron champ opened the week with 130 to 1 odds to win outright so pretty impressive stuff there for cameron champ three career pga tour victories four other top tens in his career so he's a, a one or a done kind of thing if you're looking at it from a fantasy or a betting perspective but bob his final round especially that 14th or 15th hole when he was really slowing down. You could tell something was not right, and he mentioned it after his round. He was going through some dehydration. Yeah, well, it's extremely hot where they were playing in Minnesota, and uh, obviously, you know, you got to keep that kind of stuff going. We saw him leaning over, bending over, uh, kneeling down at certain times, and then he said some uh, a jug of Gatorade on mm-hmm. uh, the 14th hole kind of lifted him up a little bit and coming in. And, and I, I got to tell you, that, that 18th hole, uh, <laughs> you know, the opening tee shot, why he went with driver, we're not sure, but that's, I guess, his club. And then um, to hit that wedge shot, as he did, uh, for his fourth shot coming in with a two-shot lead, thank goodness he has some comfort there, uh, that was as clutch a, a wedge shot I think I've seen from, from a guy who hasn't really been in that situation all that much recently. Uh, it was It was just, I mean to tap in range what a performance what a performance and yeah the the decision off the tee to hit driver especially when he's hitting that two iron where a lot of players were are hitting driver he's you know hitting the 170 mile per hour ball speed with an iron which is unbelievable to say the least to not even hit five iron five iron wedge onto the green but he said after the round he was dead fast he was hitting driver on that tee whether he had the lead or he was down, not the most comfortable driving hole for Cameron Champ, but hey, he got it done. And it was fascinating as well because Gary Woodland, who was in the group after him, was five yards further away from the hole than Champ was and put it in the bunker left. 
So, I mean, who knows if Champ, you know, made the mistake there, but good for him getting the victory, his third career PGA Tour win. But there was a Canadian angle to this weekend. Adam Hadwin and Roger Sloan both had a legitimate chance to win this tournament. And, Bob, I have to give you credit here because last week on our TSN Edge Picks, you picked Adam Hadwin (laughs) and sort of coming out of nowhere. But your reasoning was that he has to start putting putting on the accelerator here. He's 120th in the FedEx Cup heading into last week's tournament. He has to have a job for next year. Now now he's up to 107th, a, a good week for Adam Hadwin. It's a good week, and he's probably out of the woods. I don't think he's going to accept that fully. It's nice for them to have a week off. Um, he actually, you know, if this was a year ago, if there hadn't been a pandemic, he would have been at the at the Tokyo Games for the Olympics. Uh, obviously, it wouldn't have happened this year, but, you know, like a year ago, he was in situation to join Corey Connors to be on the team, and his worked through some swing changes, and he went out this week. I talked to both he and Roger Sloan after their rounds. Uh, um, you know, they went, and he basically tried to just put everything that was on the line, everything that, that he was concerned with off the golf course, he tried to leave it there and tried to just focus on having fun on the golf course. Same thing with Roger. Uh, Roger's come to this situ- belief that he's just, you know what, where I, wherever I play next year, I know I'll have a place, whether that's a corn ferry, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I think trying to keep those out of your mind while you are on this edge and uh, it's, it's not easy to do. And Adam had when, you know, stumbled, I think a lot of people were talking about his decision to go for the green and two on uh, 18 on Saturday, leading to a double bogey. Uh, Roger just seemed to kind of leak a little bit of oil coming down the stretch, missed a few putts and a few approach shots, but uh, a good week for both of them, much needed. Uh, as you said, Adam stays inside the top 125, and Roger stays inside the top 150, moving up considerably to 137, I believe, and that's mm-hmm. important for him because if you're 126 to 150, you get some status next year, and it also will improve his, his, uh, his ranking going into the, the Corn Ferry playoffs, which I'm assuming he's going to play. 100% for sure, and a lot of po- uh, positive signs there for Roger Sloan. The opening round was exceptional, and for Adam Hadwin, you know, we've spoken at length on this show about the swing changes he's been making, and now it looks like those changes are starting to look a little more comfortable. He's playing playing golf, not playing swing. He's sort of reacting to the shots now instead of maybe thinking a little, you know, is my club, where, where's my club, where does it have to be uh, to um, – you know, hit a good shot. So good for Hadwin and good for Sloan. Before we go to break here, have to mention him, Louis Oosthuizen. Are you ever going to win? I mean, his. I feel bad for him in some sense. You know, the the almost holding out on 18, almost posting 14 under in the clubhouse from about 120 yards, zipping it back, lipping out, a runner-up finish for Louis Oosthuizen. No victories this season, but 2020, 2021 for Oosthuizen has been pretty remarkable. Yeah, he's six on the FedEx Cup list going into the playoffs, and uh, he's one of those guys who opted out of playing in the Olympics. Um, obviously, whatever he had over at the Open Championship carried through to this week at 3M, and he played really good golf, solid golf, uh, 66 in the final round, matched by Champ, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty good score for anybody, but you got to think he's maybe running out of gas a little bit now, maybe taking a week off, obviously, and uh, and if you want to go one step further, look at Johnny Vegas, who uh, finished tied for second along with Ustazen and Charles Schwartzel, and is now jumping on the plane to go over to Tokyo to compete in the Olympics. So uh, talk about time zones and, uh, and jet lag. Good for Johnny Vegas. Yeah, you know, I, I was very high on Johnny Vegas heading into the 3M Open. And one of the big reasons, Bob, was because he won the RBC Canadian Open 
twice, and it's always th it was this this time of year in July. So I thought maybe some good karma, and hey, he almost pulled it off. Vegas will be someone, perhaps a value pick to look at at the Olympic Games starting this week. Maybe he'll be on my TSN edge picks, maybe <laughs> not. But I'll I'll tell you though, Wednesday afternoon, that's when we are giving away our TSN edge picks for the Olympic Games. And speaking of the Olympic Games, Team Canada head coach Derek Ingram, he's going to join us after the break discussing the golf course and discussing Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes, who begin their journey to gold this Wednesday evening. We'll hear from Derek next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off this week and next week as he is on Olympic duty. Looking forward to seeing Mark cover the Olympics. It's very exciting time of year. We've been looking forward to the Olympics for quite some time now. And starting this week with the men, the Canadians in the field are Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. They both had a great major season. They both had a great chance at the Open Championship. Mackenzie Hughes had the close call at the U.S. Open. Corey Connors had the 18-hole lead at the PGA Championship. It's incredible to just keep going on and on and on about all these chances our Canadians have had at the major championships. Derek Ingram is Team Canada's coach at the Olympics. Recently, Mark Sacchino had a chance to sit down with Derek to preview the Olympic Games. Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors, that you'll be with them with Team Canada. Um, Elena Sharprook Henderson will uh, will anchor the Canadian ladies squad women's golf. Uh, Kazumiyazaka Country Club uh, in Japan. I know you've been there already. You will be heading over with Team Canada. Uh, what's the scouting report on this golf course? You know, it, you know it's got quite the history. Uh, doing some research. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama winning the Asian Amateur about a decade ago. Uh, back in the in the fifties, it hosted the Canada Cup, which is now the World Cup. Um, yeah. What, what what type of golf is going to get it done around uh, for the Olympics? Stealing some of my gold there in the Canada Cup, uh, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to show my my very cool Olympic uh, yardage book that I'm thrilled about. Oh, that's, uh, I love that. I love as, a coach, as a coach, there's probably no no better keepsake after a tournament than, than that'll be. Uh, it was great for me to go over there. It was in February 2020. Uh, it's a 90-year-old uh, traditional golf course. It's tree-lined. Not a lot of thick bush like you might get in Canada in some of the, the uh, courses, but tree-lined, so you should be able to find your ball and make a play on it. At, at that time of the year, it's only 7,400 yards. I'm saying that uh, that's a lot of golf for you and I, but not yes, for the <laughs> especially in heat, but, uh, uh, but they, they're expecting the rough to be quite long and thick. And then the greens to be a little bit slower, honestly, a teeny bit like the green speeds at the open or the Scottish open. So I think, you know, guys coming from the Olympics from the, from the major will, uh, again, maybe have a teeny bit of advantage because in, in North America, the greens are 11, 11.5. They're very consistent almost every single time, but over there they could be 10 or 10 or even a little slower. So, um, but I, I think driving will be a premium if the rough gets long. It's not long where they need to hit driver every every uh, hole, uh, but very traditional. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, be a great golf course for Brooke. You know, when I was out walking it, taking notes, taking pictures, taking videos, which I'll share with Brooke and the team in the next three or four days as they prep. 
uh, I think they're going to love it because uh, it really it really suits the eye. Or you, you, know, you can shape. You know, you're, when you're standing on the tee box, you know exactly what you need to do. You're not wondering, uh, oh, this is a dog leg right. I'd like to shape it a little bit left or right, or at least fit my ball in there. So uh, it's going to be an unreal tournament. Smaller field, great for Canada. We've got great players who got a chance to medal, and you know we're really hoping to make history here. Repeat some history from the early 1900s. Sorry, I think we've got a great chance in both men's and women's. I'm curious, uh, Derek. You know, you've got obviously a different relation with Corey than you do with Brooke, etc. You're moving from the Open Championship where you're you're staring staying with Corey. Uh, you know, you might be working on specific things in, in his game early in the week. How do you transition? How do you go, okay, I am moving from professional golf coach to head coach at Team Canada. Uh, how hard of a trans- transition is that? And, and do, you, do you now start to play a little bit more psycholog- psychologist for the team in terms of rah-rah, other than the information sharing that I know you'll be doing? Yeah, for me, it really helps because uh... – you know, both Brooke, uh, Corey, and Mackenzie are, are dragons. Uh, long-term members are our junior team, our amateur team, our, our pro squad. So, uh, and I've got a great relationship with all of them. I actually coached Brooke at, when I was coaching our women's team a little bit, so I, I can get along with her. Although I'm not there for the entire women's, so I'm just helping them trans, it really sharing information about the the course and and intel uh, before I leave. But I'll, I'll be there for a few days with the with the women's side. But you know, I coached Mac for 11 years, and I coach you know still like a like a son to me and as Corey, I still coach. So it'll be an easy transition. Uh, and, and as a head, a coach of, of a team here, it, it's a bit more global, but certainly uh, I'll ask the guys, Hey, how, how do you want me to coach you? And, you know, in, in the case I have relationships with, and I know they're going to want me to coach them like they have, for the, I have for the last bunch of years. Um, so there's a teeny bit of psychology involved. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, just helping them prepare the right way, not over-prepare, not under-prepare. They're there so early, Mark, that, you know, we want to be ready, but you don't want to be tired and you want to have some energy for the third and fourth day. Um, and so, uh, and, and there's a lot of logistics involved with the, with the, uh, the Olympics where if you stayed in the athletes village, you'd be an hour and 15 minutes away. That's almost three hours of travel time. You'd never get that at a PGA tour event or an LPGA tour event. So we're staying actually in a hotel closer to the golf course in our own little bubble, which I think gives us a distinct advantage. And so we've got a few of those things in the back pocket that I can't, I can't share with you. I'd have to, <laughs> but we've got a couple things that, you know, we, we feel are going to be advantages for our team. Derek, thanks so much for taking the time. Good luck. We'll be pulling for you. And always a pleasure catching up. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, Mark. Really appreciate it. That was Team Canada head coach Derek Ingram, who is now over in Tokyo, along with Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors. Their journey to gold gets underway starting Wednesday evening here uh, in Eastern, so which is Thursday morning in Tokyo. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp a little later in the show. So let's just discuss now Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, given the golf course, Bob, we, we heard some intel about the course that they'll be playing this week in that interview, and you also had a chance to recently catch up with Derek Ingram. What did you find out about the golf course? Uh, not much different than what he said there. I think you, you have to uh, realize this is an old-school golf course. I think it's uh, uh, it's got you know North American designers. Charles Allison was basically the guy who put this together a long time ago it was redone not too long ago by Fazio but it's got uh, dog legs left it's got dog legs right uh, 
big deep bunkers, raised uh, elevated greens. Um, the greens are going to be slow, which is, is going to be something you're going to hear a lot of because they're going to be almost like the open championship style. It's sort of a rainy season over there, so they it's so damp they really can't cut the greens and get them too fast, and they are a bit slopey. I've also heard the greens are big in terms of, uh, but they've got quadrants, so you want to hit it to the right section, a little bit almost like Augusta-like where uh, you can hit the green and still have a ridiculous putt of, you know, 100 feet or uh, up and down a slope or things like that. So you get, it's not, a, not good enough to just hit the green. You have to hit the right part of the green. Uh, do I think it favors the Canadian guys? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. I think Corey's, we know Corey is a great ball striker. We know he hits greens and he hits fairways, so that's obviously good. Um, Mac is playing really well right now, and when he is on, he's one of the best putters in golf, I think, these days, so that never hurts. Uh, but both these guys have, have elevated their games in the last few months in big events. So I think that also will be important in terms of um, they won't feel out of place. They won't feel mentally like uh, I've never been here before because this is essentially like a major championship. So, um, yeah, both guys are going to – it's going to be a good field. It's There's a lot of top golfers, but it's not necessarily a deep field. Mm -hmm. So if you only have two players from, from each of these countries or four from the U.S., uh, there's a lot of players who aren't there, and and with only 60 players in the field, uh, a few less players you have to beat. To me, after hearing your description and Derek's description of the golf course, this just screams Corey Connors uh, in terms of ball striking, in terms of needing to hit it to the right spot, both off the tee, both into the green with these dog legs. And I, I would have been fascinated to see Bryson DeChambeau play this golf course because he would just take it over the dog leg and say, you know what, I'm going to play this course my way. But something I'm curious about, Bob, is um, when golf returned post-COVID last summer, there were no fans, no spectators. It was like playing a practice round. And now we've seen more and more spectators back. The Open Championship, 30,000 fans a day. But now we're back at the Olympics and no fans. Maybe for Corey and Mac now have been in the mix at major championships, so they're used to people following them around and the atmosphere. But what do you think, what kind of adjustment, if any, will they have to make to sort of flip it on and flip it off that this isn't going to feel like what they've been playing for the past, you know, month or uh, past six months or so well i think you know you go back to when they had when they first started playing without fans and Corey had the great line he said you know there's a lot of times when i play uh you know late on a friday when there was no fans anyway so they're mm. kind of they are in some respects they're used to it but listen this this is this is the olympics these guys have been trying to do this and trying to get here for four years and so i don't think you have to worry about them being motivated i don't think you have to worry about them um you know not it's the same for everybody. Nobody's going to be feeding off any crowd. So I think these guys, having gone through it, the experience of three or four or five months last year, um, I don't think that's going to be a huge effect. It might be for some players. Uh, a guy like Patrick Reed, who can feed off the crowd, that might be where you where you miss it a lot. Is when you want to try and have a big rally coming down the stretch or something. But um, and the, and maybe the one guy who might miss it more than anyone would be Hideki Matsuyama. Mm -hmm. Or he might benefit from it because maybe he doesn't want the pressure of seeing all these fans cheering him on. So there were some interesting backs and forths, I think. But as far as the Canadians go, I don't think it's a big issue one way or the other. Right. And and so, like I mentioned, both of these players, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors, have been in the mix at major championships this year. Obviously, haven't gotten, haven't gotten it done in terms of victories, but they've been in the mix. They've gained experience. And how much do you think they can take from that experience, you know, 
We saw Corey Connors at the Open Championship, that first hole, missing a putt of two and a half, three feet, and it's sort of, that was sort of the story of his day. Mackenzie Hughes had four rounds in the 60s, but his start on Sunday was sort of three, three birdies, two bogeys out of the gate, back and forth, back and forth. How much do you think they can take from the experiences they've had at the majors this year where they've come up close, and maybe this time they can get across the finish line and medal? Yeah, uh, I think it's it's huge. Um, you know, the, those every time you put yourself under the gun in a big event, you gain something, you learn something, and those guys are are doing just that. This is this is what they've done for the last couple of years, both of them, and Mackenzie more recently. But uh, but Corey, you know, Corey had if you go back to his Masters start, he also had a little bumpy ride on Sunday. Now he was a little further back then, um, but I, I think those are. Those are situations where at least now you've experienced it, you've been through it, you've walked yourself through it. So if it happens this time on Sunday when he's in Tokyo, he say, "Okay, you know what? I'm just going to go out here and try and do what I didn't do that time." Maybe that's maybe it's being aggressive, maybe it's not being aggressive. You know, maybe it's it's whatever he didn't do the last time. You try something different until it works. And I remember Lori Kane once saying, because she had so many close calls before she won on the LPGA Tour, she says, "You just start kicking on the door until finally you kick it open and you walk through." Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one note on Corey Connors, you know, the Masters, the final round in April, that fifth hole, he missed the fairway a little to the right and came <laughs> oh so close to hitting you, Bob. So you're not going to be there walking along the fairways with him. But uh, that, that was one of the later moments uh, of the year. He sort of had that duck for cover play. Uh, but Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, they'll look to medal which would be an unbelievable story uh, here in Canada. Their first round's underway Wednesday evening uh, here, uh, where we get to watch that uh, starting Wednesday evening around 6.30 uh, Eastern. But, Bob, another thing we love doing on the show is giving away food. And after the break, we're going to give away a $100 gift card from Mr. Butcher. And I enjoyed quite a delicious Mr. Butcher meal last night. I'm sure you did, too. We'll discuss that and much more after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Summer drink days are on at McDonald's McCafe, which means refreshing Coca-Cola and ice frappes at a price that makes you happy. Enjoy a medium McCafe vanilla chai ice frappe for $2 or a medium Coca-Cola for $1. Taxes extra, prices exclude delivery. See restaurants at mcdonalds.ca for details. I gotta tell you, Bob, ever since I found out about Good Foods ready-to-cook meals that they deliver right to your door, I feel a lot less pressure when I'm barbecuing. How so? Every week they have 30 new recipes to choose from, and they practically cook themselves. Now everyone thinks I'm the barbecue king. Boy, those portobello burgers sure smell good. Right? I've totally taken my barbecue game to the next level, and I'm happy to take all the credit. Good Food. Eating Evolved. Visit makegoodfood.ca. Certain conditions apply. Details on makegoodfood.ca. I can see you. Attention Upper East Siders. Gossip Girl is back, and it's only on Crave. The iconic series returns with a new generation of New York private school teens. Get ready for unforgettable new scandals for the world to see. Did you miss me? You know you missed her. XOXO. Gossip Girl, an HBO Max original series, now streaming only on Crave. Subscribe now at crave.ca. This summer, discover your wilder side in a Subaru. Symmetrical full-time all-wheel drive lets you explore the wilderness with your pack. Finding a trail that leads to a better view of the full moon. Because let's face it, nothing gets you back to nature like a Subaru. Legendary Subaru Boxer Engine. 
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Wrapping up Hour 1 of Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Spino is off doing Olympic duty where he'll be covering uh, the Olympics and watching Team Canada's quest for gold in both the men's and the women's golf. But Bob, it's one of our favorite times of the show now. It's time to give away some meat. Mr. Butcher giveaway. So we're going to open up the four lines, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. If you've won before, you are not eligible to win another gift card. Yes, I know you want the gift cards. The products are just so good from Mr. Butcher. But this week's question, the first correct caller to answer this question. The Men's Golf Olympic Tournament begins this week. Who's the defending men's golf Olympic gold medal winner? The first person to correctly answer that question, we will give you a $100 Mr. Butcher gift card. Bob, did you sample any of the product this weekend? I did. I, last night I had a big steak. And oh, uh, normally, it's a, normally it's a steak that I share with my better half. And uh, we... Um, Actually, uh, I just ate it myself. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing it was a big steak. It was good. Excellent stuff. How about yeah, you? I, I, had a, I was with my family last night, and we had a ribeye, which was, and it was a bit of a thicker cut for, uh, for us, and so we, we got to enjoy that. And Mr. Butcher actually also reposted some hot dogs. We had some Nathan's hot dogs last week as well, a personal favorite. Uh, of ours and uh, my brother-in-law as well loves loves the nathan hot dogs big hot dogs fan but at mr butcher bob you can get anything you can get pizza dough yeah. you can get just get about fish anything. i've had some nice fish i think i'm having lamb tonight from a rack oh. of lamb from them so it's uh there's a lot i mean just go on the website and look at it and it's uh it's crazy how much stuff they have and they deliver right to you they they do and i, I got to see jonathan from mr butcher last uh, thursday uh, stopped in so great to see you, jonathan and uh, some exciting things going forward i'm just gonna tease that some exciting things going forward with mr <laughs> butcher maybe some other products coming that's all i'll say for now but um just uh it, it's some nice little accessories to your meal uh if that makes any sense but uh, another giveaway we do bob here on golf talk Canada, of course is 20 weeks of tailor-made just hours left this week we're giving away a flex tech stand bag which I believe you have, uh, Bob. It's a very light stand bag. And uh, when you play, are you a are you a pusher? Are you a carrier? Are you, what what do you prefer doing? I last year invested in a COVID treat for myself, and I got uh, myself a moto caddy. So oh. I have a motorized caddy from our friend uh, JPSM McLucky. Yep. Um, Joseph McLucky. Joseph yep. McLucky, and their their JPSM does all the great carts they have huge lines so the, so I'm kind of in the middle I uh, okay. I found it's such a great way to play golf you walk but you don't have to push too hard I'm an old guy now I don't I don't well. need to be pushing things up the hills I'm not like you Scully where you're doing it to try and I don't know like leg day you go to the golf course and run up and down the hills with your with your golf bag on <laughs> filled with cement blocks and running up the hill uh, yeah, I, I just fill the tour bag up with uh, bricks, and uh, I have a funny story about that. I'll, I'll get to that at some point involving uh, Craig Stadler. I'll tell you now. Craig Stadler did a charity event once at, at Bayview. Uh, this would have been years ago, and I was involved with it because Paul Coffey was also playing in this tournament. It was, it was Craig Stadler and Paul Coffey doing a fun little scramble, and one of the assistant pros was a big fan of Craig Stadler, so he got to carry Craig's bag, but 
We get to the third hole, and he, he, the bag goes down. And this guy's five foot six, and the bag was like 50 pounds. And he's wondering, what on earth is in this bag? Unzipped, threw a couple bricks out, and one of our other assistant pros was nearly keeling over laughing. So <laughs> one way to do a little prank uh, on that. But uh, a couple minutes left here in hour one, Bob. Um, I was at the Toronto Hunt Club with Mark on Thursday shooting some Picton Mahoney uh, instructional videos that will be starting. I know very, very interesting coming from me, who's not the most accurate person in the world off the tee, but thankfully <laughs> there were just instructional videos from around the green, but at the Toronto hunt club and other courses now in the GTA, things are getting closer to normal. I putted with the pin out at the Toronto yep. hunt club for the first time. Is that, is that a thing now at Weston yet or no? Yeah, we've got it at Weston. The uh, the pin the pin caddies are are out. Although there's a movement, I understand to get them back in because a lot of people don't like to reach down and get the ball out. A lot of people don't take the take the flag out and the uh, rakes back in the bunkers. Uh, so we're raking our we're raking our bunkers, raking the traps, and also uh, some water fountains now uh, popping up on the uh, on the golf course, which we didn't have before. So all you know heading back towards normal it does take a little longer now because you got to rake your bunkers and uh and that but other than that it's uh, it's feeling closer to normal now i don't know about you scully but i never take the uh, i never take the flag out anyway and the guys i play with we don't anyway so it's not that big of a change that way just that you have to reach down and get your ball now i mean you know me and i'm one to create any excuse i can for missing putts on a whenever I play golf, it's the it's always the pin caddy's fault. But I I've been putting very well now, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Where, where I'm at at Baby Country Club, they have not uh, pulled out the pin caddies yet. I would think that's coming probably this week, given how many of the other courses uh, in the GTA uh, are doing it. But it's nice that we're getting closer to normal on, on the golf side of things, and and. Um, you know, people are following the rules. And, and now it's great, too. Uh, at Bayview, for example, and other courses around, we're seeing indoor simulators now back open, which are great for whether you're warming up, whether you want to play a fun round of golf, or for lessons as well, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Lots of, lots of stuff heading back in the right direction. I had a lesson on Saturday, so in the pouring rain, so that's good. Oh. <laughs> and it helped, and it helped, so it's all good. Oh. Okay, it's all good. It helped. Well, that's the important thing. Uh, well, hour two here on Golf Talk Canada, we have more Olympic talk uh, coming up after the break. A lot of notables playing in the field at the Men's Olympics. We'll discuss many of them, including Rory McIlroy. What on earth are we going to see from Rory McIlroy in the 2021 or 2020 Olympics, as they're calling them? It's been such a weird year for Rory McIlroy, going through so many swing changes and and just sort of some puzzling golf. And Hideki Matsuyama, we haven't seen Hideki Matsuyama in a little bit with a positive COVID test. And, and this is a huge week for Hideki Matsuyama. Could be a historic week for Hideki Matsuyama. We'll discuss him. Victor Hovland as well, who's had kind of an interesting year. And many of the Americans in the field. We'll discuss all of them. We'll also turn the, our attention to the women's Olympics as well. Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp. Uh, both playing in the Olympics for the second time. We'll discuss them as well. Winners, weird and what, and leaderboard updates. That's all coming up on the back nine here of GTC. Thanks for listening to Hour 1. Stick around here, Hour 2 on GTC, coming up in just a couple minutes. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. 
don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off on Olympic duty. And speaking of the Olympics, Bob, we have the men's getting underway Wednesday evening at around 6, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Many of the top players in the world playing this week. Some, however, are not playing this week. Most notably, a couple positive COVID tests from Bryson DeChambeau and John Rahm. So not going to see those two in the field, but many of the other top players in the world, including Open champion Colin Morikawa. We'll see him playing this week where he won the Claret Jug just recently and now looking for a gold medal. What a sweet summer that would be. What are your expectations here of Morikawa? Because looking or from what I'm hearing about this golf course and slow greens, we had slow greens at Royal St. George's a couple weeks ago and Morikawa did very well there. Obviously, he's one of the great ball strikers in the world, but his putter is sort of make or break. Slower greens, ball striking paradise in terms of shorter golf course, plotting from point A to point B. How do you like Morikawa's chances this week? Uh, I think I think you got to like him anytime he tees it up yeah. after that performance. And it's just a question of whether he's got fuel in the tank, whether he's got drive in the tank. After you win a big major championship like that, you know, your your schedule probably goes a little awry. Uh, so we'll see how much time he's had to put in towards his game. Although if he's over in, in uh, Tokyo, there's not much else to do except golf. I saw Rory saying, uh, you know, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. So I might as well be at the golf course 12 hours a day working on my game. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does. I think, yeah, I think he's got to be one of the top favorites going into this week. And just because of what we saw, as you pointed out, we saw at the Open Championship and the conditions they're going to get in uh, uh, in uh, Kasuguyami. Okay, I can't even pronounce it yet. I had it. I was practicing it all morning too. Um, but the golf course there, and also, you know, there. One of the other interesting parts we haven't talked about with the Olympics is there's a tropical storm that is oh. heading towards Tokyo and could hit north of Tokyo, which is where the golf course is. They're talking about that heading in the next couple of days. So that could add some, uh, some interesting elements, literally and figuratively elements to the, uh, to the mix as well in terms of weather. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm curious how the players are going to react to this. I mean, you look at the Open Championship, it was, they had nicer weather there than they did in Toronto, Ontario for, uh, throughout the Open Championship. Uh, so I guess we'll see what kind of weather uh, comes for the Olympic Games. But another one of the Americans there who's had a fair, another very solid season, um, you know, his last major championship wasn't so great, was Xander Shoffley. And he is one of the four Americans playing. He tinkered with the armbar putter during the U.S. Open, his home U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Finished in the top ten. I was 
puzzled by that move, given how he's one of the top putters in the world and was trying something completely new to him, the week of a tournament he's been looking forward to for seven years or so, but that's another subject in itself. He's got the short putter back in the bag. Shoffley, another favorite coming into this week, isn't he? For sure. Uh, he's come so close to winning at big tournaments on big stages. Again, kind of like what we were talking about, Mac and Corey, before, you know, you put yourself in contention, you put yourself in that situation time and time again, and you hopefully you can respond. And if you don't respond, you learn from it. Uh, we saw him at the Olympics this year coming close until he rinsed one at 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen him close in so many other majors over the years. It's it's The putting does scare me a little bit in terms of where is he with it, and he... Uh, he did say that, uh, you know, he wanted to go back to this way just because he couldn't get the pop on it in certain cases. But, um, look, he's, he's one of the best in the world. That's why he's there. He's one of the top American. Being on Team America signifies right there that you are obviously a great player, and certainly he is that. Certainly uh, is that. That's for sure. A stacked uh, American team, four Americans in the field at the Tokyo Olympics. But earlier this year in April, Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters, won the Green Jacket, one of the great moments uh, for, for Japanese golf, for Japanese sport, for everything involved with that. And now he'll have the chance at the Olympic Games to really make this year something he'll never forget to another level. Uh, in terms of having a chance to contend for an Olympic gold medal. But, Bob, we haven't seen Hideki Matsuyama play golf in a little bit now due to positive COVID tests. So expectations heading into the week with, with I mean, expectations from afar, uh, from the media in Tokyo, sky high, given that, uh, you know, he won the green jacket. But what can we expect from Matsuyama, who hasn't played professional golf in a little bit? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what he what he brings. Um, you know, we played pretty well at the U.S. Open. He was in the top 25, I think, or maybe just mm-hmm. right right around 20, top 25. And he's had some other good finishes, PGA Championship, same sort of thing. Uh, but I think I, I I think for him, it's going to come down to the pressure of of trying to deliver on a home stage for a sporting event that is um, you know the Olympics. Let's just let's. Let's not kid ourselves. The Olympics have been going through some rough PR. Some it, it's not overly, uh, it's not 100% supported by the population there in in Japan. So uh, maybe this is something that that's going to weigh on Hideki Matsuyama more than whether or not his golf swing is going to be ready to handle things. I think he'll be ready. I think he'll be ready to play. He knows the golf course. He mm-hmm. is one of the few people who's played. He's won on this golf course. He won the Asia Pacific Amateur on this golf course. So he has uh, he has a track record here that nobody else has in terms of experience. So that will go a long way towards helping him as well. Yeah, it'll certainly go a very long way towards uh, helping that for Matsuyama. Um, looking forward to seeing what he has. Also looking forward to seeing what kind of game Rory McIlroy shows up with. Like I was mentioning uh, before going to break, his 2020-2021 has been weird. It's just been weird sort of since coming back from the COVID shutdown last year, where prior to that, he was one of the hottest players on the PGA Tour. But this season has just been puzzling, chasing speed when you're one of the longest players on the PGA Tour, going through swing changes and showing up at Augusta National and hitting some really puzzling shots. And then winning Wells Fargo sort of out of nowhere. And then that made him sort of the betting favorite heading into the PGA Championship, where it was just another weird performance. Given all the weirdness, what can we expect from Rory this week? Well, that's a good question. I mean, he's come out, he's come out and said he's not really all that patriotic in terms of something like this. He's sort of 
there because he feels he should be there for golf, uh, to support golf and to help grow golf. And that's pretty altruistic. I like that. Um, but I think this is an event where you, you probably need a little passion to play well. I think you need some drive to realize that who you're playing for and who you're representing. Uh, Rory did say that he was, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, he said, you know, he's going to be out in the golf course practicing and working on his game because there's nothing else to do. So that's, I guess, in some ways positive. But maybe maybe in some ways the lower expectations, uh, the lower drive is going to help him. Maybe he gets too worked up in some of the big tournaments we, we, we've seen him in lately. Maybe this is something that would work out great. And imagine him with a gold medal around his neck. I mean, that would be not only huge for, for Rory McIlroy, it would be huge for golf. But um, I'm not counting him out yet. I, I'm kind of, I know I've done this because I picked him in our edge hits over the last little while. I'm kind of a Rory supporter. I just think that at some point, like it's like Dustin Johnson. At some point, these guys are going to break out and put a good performance in. Obviously, Dustin's not playing this week. But I think Rory has has just played, you can't say mediocre golf because he did win on the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. but below his standards for too long now that, that something's got to happen. Something does have to happen, you'd think. And I know before the Open Championship, Mark and I were discussing back and forth about, about Rory on slow greens and how you really have to be more of an aggressive putter versus a passive putter, a passive stroke on greens like Augusta or a lot of the greens on the PGA Tour that are running, you know, between 11 and 12 on the stint meter. I'm curious, do you think the slower greens help Rory in a case like this where you really have to be aggressive? And cause he's, not, he's now, his pre-shot routine, there's no practice stroke. He just goes up and hits it. Do you think that helps him, slower greens? Uh, I don't think it could hurt him. I'm not sure if it's if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet, to be perfectly honest with you, but I do think that um, I think you don't have to, it's one less thing to worry about in terms of, of being gentle with it, I think, and, and being hesitant with it, which is what happens, I think, a lot on fast greens. Mm-hmm. And there's no faster greens that these plays, or slopey greens anyway, than they play at Augusta National. We know what his record is around there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably a positive side for, for Rory with his putting right now. And, um, you know, I'm not, I guess it is part of his, his issue because you do see, some frustration with, but to me, it's more on the reading of the putts than the hitting of the putts, if that makes sense. He seems to hit putts that he thinks are going to end up in the hole, and they don't, and he looks confused by that. So uh, maybe that's a bigger issue, but um, we'll certainly see when he gets going on on Thursday. I guess big picture is, you know, remember before the 2016 Olympic Games, Rory McIlroy was at the Open Championship. I'm sure you were sitting in that press room when he was asked about the Olympics, and he said, he was asked if he's going to watch the golf back in 2016. He said, no, I'll, I'll watch, you know, the swimming, the sprinting, you know, the sports that matter. And it was like, whoa, like, did he really just say that out loud? Was that just his inner voice is coming out? Now, Rory McIlroy is always incredibly honest with the press and the media. I guess it's just a good sign that he's there playing this time. Yeah, I, listen, I think there were a lot of guys in 2016. We saw a whole bunch of them pull out because of Zika virus, yeah. which we knew really wasn't going to be an issue. I think a lot of guys just didn't buy into golf in the Olympics, and it was nothing more than that. And I don't think they realized, and I've said this before, if you haven't been to an Olympic Games, you can't realize how big it is and what the grandeur's like. It'll be a little different this year because they won't be able to kind of go and be part of a team and do certain things and go to other events and stuff like that. But once you get into the Olympic bubble, into the atmosphere, into the feel of it, uh, I think it just sort of washes over you. It just takes you over. And I don't think that the guys realize that. And when the guys came back, like Stenson, 
uh, like Kucher, like like Rose, those guys came back and talked about it. I think all of a sudden, okay, well, look, maybe we're going to lean. Maybe we, we spoke a little bit too early that uh, that golf in the Olympics really is something. But um, and, and that's just my own personal opinion of what mm-hmm. I think of the Olympics. I think they're bigger than than the major championships are in terms of the whole event. Maybe not golf itself is bigger than the Masters or U.S. Open or British Open or anything like that. But in a bigger way, they are. So I think it's important that they're there. Uh, I think that Rory does have kind of the, maybe the right atmosphere by or attitude by saying, look. Golf, golf needs to be there. Golf needs to grow, and this is a way to do it. We'll never forget Matt Kuchar, sort of, you know, the weeks and months after he had his bronze medal, it seemed like everywhere. He was sort of going and show up at press conferences and put it around his neck and say, oh, by the way, I won the bronze medal. Similar to what Phil Mickelson did with the Wanamaker Trophy with that great This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off this week on Olympic duty. Apologize for the technical error there going uh, to break on the last segment. Uh, home setup, sometimes technology, you know what, you hate to see it. Sometimes it happens, but Bob, we are back. Um, and a big major championship on the LPGA, the Evian Championship, not the Women's British Open, the Evian Championship I was going on uh, over the weekend. Uh Lee six. Quite a performance on Friday's second round, uh, adding her name into major history. But Sunday, Minji Lee, starting seven shots off the lead, comes back for the victory. What a finish that was. Yeah, and this golf course uh, that they play this on is not, um, let's just say it's not the toughest major championship mm. golf course. And it's a very hilly golf course, lots of slopes, up and downs. And um, and it's, uh, you know, it's I, I've talk to some of the players who aren't big fans of it but the one thing it does allow you to do is to go low and certainly we saw a lot of low rounds uh, throughout the week not just those uh, those ones by uh, Lee Six and Lee um, uh, Minji Lee the Australian golfer who won it with a 64 but there was you know countless 65s and 64s and um, all sorts of low lowers and I, I think it was kind of good for, for the for this tournament it uh, it needs a little more attention than the other four of the majors um, but but boy, what a what a finish! And uh, that playoff was was something else. I don't know if you saw it. I felt so sorry for Zhang Li, six hitting it in the water, and Minji giving the uh, giving her the uh, the easy stroll up for the for the win. Yeah, it looked like Zhang Li six sort of like maybe hit her approach shot a little thin. The yeah. way the way it came out with the with the uh, the shot tracer, it just didn't seem like she had the the ball flight needed, uh, or just didn't hit it flush, didn't compress her approach shot enough because it came up probably 30 yards short into the water, had to sort of land it on the green and hope to skip forward. Uh, Minji Lee, quite a performance. You mentioned that the closing 64 compared to Jung Hoon Lee 6's 71. But how about the 61 by Jung Hoon Lee 6 on Friday? Like just adding her name into, into major championship history. This was quite a performance. It really was. I mean, if you if you look at the round on the on the scorecard, it's it's uh, it's just, I mean, it's almost ridiculous when you when you see it. There's just so much, so much, uh, 
blue on the card. I guess that's what the color they had there. But you know, started off with birdies, ran a big streak. Streak over. At one point, she had I think five, six, six birdies and seven holes, and then finish off with a couple of birdies. And uh, it, some of the putts were ridiculous. They were from 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 long distance to put them in short. She hit her shots short on a couple of holes. I mean, it was just an all out remarkable performance to watch and ties the lowest record by uh, by a woman in a major championship by uh, with a 61 anyone in a major championship for that matter so uh, remarkable performance for her just too bad she couldn't close it out it's amazing you know what's amazing is how many times players shoot 59 uh, and don't go on to win the tournament or shoot a 62 like Brandon Gray shot 62 and at Royal Birkdale in the Open Championship didn't win it so it's uh, it's not always a uh, a guarantee that you're going to put four rounds together when you shoot one really good low one. The same thing too with Phil Mickelson back at that 2016 Open Championship when he had the birdie put on the 18th hole that he still convinced should have went in the hole. It lipped out, shot 63. Obviously would have won that tournament probably any other year except Henrik Stenson had his A triple plus game and that was one of the great duels we've ever seen in major championship history but another obviously big storyline here for us in Canada is Brooke Henderson uh, she made the cut Elena Sharp made the cut Brooke Henderson finished T25 she's now made the cut in each of her appearances at the Evian Championship a T25 what if anything can Henderson take from this tournament and now apply it to the Tokyo Olympics well she actually had uh, she said afterwards in the first couple of rounds that she was putting not too badly she liked her putting um, I don't think it held up for all four rounds, to be perfectly honest. But I think anytime Brooke is putting well, then I think that's a good sign. Uh, we were talking about players who might get helped by the slow greens over mm. there. I think she is definitely one who will get will be a, get an assist from that if she gets the the speed down in the early going. But I think the the slower the the greens are for her, within reason, the, the better that she'll mm -hmm. perform. So uh, it wasn't a terrible week for her. It just wasn't a great week. She's got, I mean, I think we've talked about this, but she's got this ridiculous travel schedule yeah. uh, that started going to this tournament where between now and when she gets back from the Olympics, she's going to, or sorry, the Women's British Open, she's going to travel 51,000 kilometers in basically four weeks, four or five weeks. So, um, you know, for her, the biggest thing I think going into Tokyo was just get some rest and she's probably doing that. I imagine she's home now and getting some rest uh, back in Florida at her, at her home base and uh, gearing up for the trip across to uh, to Tokyo and uh, picking up some some tips from Derek Ingram, who said he was going to pass them on to her. Yeah, and and that's that's got to be. I mean, obviously, you know, these golfers are all you know, professional travelers too, because you know that they they have to know how to get their body acclimatized to this. But you know, nearly fifty-two thousand kilometers in a five-week span. I mean. You know, you mentioned it before too. In, in the you know, right after the Tokyo Olympics, just shortly after that is the Women's British Open. There's so much that your body has to go through to get acclimatized to this. And I'm curious how Henderson does it. But you know, Elena Sharp's going to have to do a very similar thing as well. And, and she had a pretty good week. She's been playing some better golf. Um, you know, had it going at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Opened with a 269 at the Evian Championship also her second Olympic Games, she's, you know, rounding into some form here with the Olympics just around the corner for her, isn't she? She is, and she's got one good card to play, and that is that the um, 
the, the coach, they're allowed to bring one coach per team, and the coach they've mm-hmm. selected is Brett Saunders, who is Elena's personal coach. Mm-hmm. They decided to have her him come along and be the coach as opposed to, say, Tristan Mullally, who's the national team coach, or Brooke's father. Um, mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. they brought him along, which will help Elena. She spent some time with him um, down in Arizona. He came down, went across, and went mm-hmm. had, went back, and I think had to quarantine. But he went down and helped to try and help her out. And a- after that, uh, they focused primarily on her putting. And after that, she had one of her best performances of the year. So I think having him around uh, in Tokyo will be a huge benefit for Elena. And I'm sure, look, she's she's basically geared her year around getting here and performing well. As you said, they've been there once before. She joked that uh, I said, "What's you know what what can you?" Tell us, or what's going to be the advantage of having been there once? She says, "Well, I know now they're going to stick a camera in my face, right in my face, right yeah. before I tee off." So she's going to be used to that, and I think that counts for quite a bit. Uh, I think you know, knowing what to expect a little bit anyway, in some way, shape, or form, will certainly help Elena and Brooke, for that matter. Well, and and you've mentioned this before too, Bob, in that going into the 2016 Rio Olympics, Brooke Henderson had just won a major championship a month or so before her first ever major expectations of sky high for Brooke Henderson and going into that week she just was too hard on herself now five years later five years older she has a win obviously this year five top tens on the season what do you think she'll do differently if anything heading into Tokyo well, I think she's more mature for one thing emotionally you know going from being an 18 year old girl doing a 23 year old person I think is different I think you, you she's got a lot more experience in terms of big events she's got she realizes that uh, I think that she's not going to do herself any good by putting pressure on herself um, and, and trying to win it for Canada as it were you know you I think you, you play your game like you normally do and then you try and win it uh, and then and then it's the celebration starts but she's very patriotic. She loves wearing the, the red and white. And um, I think it'll be tough if she gets down the stretch uh, for anyone to try and reel her in because she is such a tiger, as we saw when she won the CP Women's Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's so, so difficult down the stretch. She's sort of the, uh, the anti-person. You don't, like, she can perform under pressure down the stretch. She likes that situation, I think, in most cases. So uh, I think uh, a few years older, a few years wiser, um, expect big things if she does get close uh, as we get to Sunday, or actually Saturday is going to finish on. And something that's really always stuck with me is when we've had Lori Kane on this show, and she's mentioned Brooke's goalie eyes and how she sort of flips a switch. And I mean, I, I relate to this personally, having played the position for you know, 10, 12 years of my life and sort of you, you get into this zone where your eyes are probably you know as big as they'll ever be, but you're able to flip a switch and and focus that extra little bit and you know it's a good point with the cp women's open too because that was one of the biggest moments in recent canadian sports history for an lpga tour canadian to win on home soil you know we always imagine what it would be like you know being at all these rbc canadian opens you know adam hadwin had a great chance you know 10 years ago in vancouver Jared Dutois had a great chance. David Hearns had a great chance. But for Brooke Henderson to pull it off, she has that experience now in her back pocket. And as she's down the stretch here again, like you said, I don't expect her to falter at all. I expect her to try to win by three or four instead of holding on to a one-shot lead, you know? She's won a major. She's won uh, arguably the next biggest thing she could win. Uh, she's been there. She's put herself in the heat, and she's performed. So uh, let's, let's hope that she does that again uh, as we get to Tokyo. 
She's Canada's all-time winningest golfer with 10 career LPGA Tour victories. She's 23 years old. And next, she's looking for Olympic gold. That gets going underway next week. Well, Bob, coming up after the break, it's our favorite time of the show. Another wild week in the world of golf. It's winners, weird, and what. That's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off. He is on Olympic duty throughout the next couple of weeks. Well, Bob, it's our favorite time of the show. It's winners, weird and what, no shortage of crazy in the world of golf over the last seven days. And this week, my friend, you have the tee. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, well, my winner this week is a guy that uh, a lot of people may not know that well. They might know his name, but basically, if you have read a golf article anywhere in the last... I don't know, 25 years or so, you have probably read the words of Doug Ferguson, who was the golf reporter for the Associated Press. And as more and more newspapers cut back on uh, sending reporters to golf tournaments to, for print, uh, Doug has provided the copy. And he goes to, I would say, probably 40 to 45 tournaments a year. And he was trying to make his way over to Japan to cover the Olympics. Now, of course, to get over there, you need to have a COVID test. And it has to be done within 72 hours of your arrival at the Tokyo uh, airport, Narita airport. And Doug uh, got his test done. He got on a plane in Atlanta. He flew over to Narita and he landed. And when he checked in, the uh, woman who was looking for the information on his COVID test kind of said, uh-oh, just a minute. And she went and he knew that wasn't a good sign. <laughs> anyway, he got his test done at uh, 1139 essentially, and he landed at uh, 39 minutes too late. So because of the test was done and it was, they wouldn't budge, even though it was just 39 minutes over the time lapse, they said, nope, sorry, you know, you had, you departed at, at, uh, at 1139, your test was at 11, you were 39 minutes late. And unfortunately for that reason, you can't come in. So they tried to find a solution, included maybe calling back to the testing site in Florida and say, hey, maybe could you adjust your time a little bit or trying to figure something out. But they said, no, there were no exceptions to this rule. So what did Doug have to do? He went from Tokyo back to Seattle, had another test, got back on a plane and went back from Seattle to Tokyo and is now at the Olympics where he is writing copy as of today. So uh, a long trip, and I, he's my winner because I don't know if I would have done that. I probably would have just gone home after that. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Adam? What, what would you have done? 
I'm, I'm trying to think of, I mean, hopefully the airplane he was on had a, had a good movie selection or, you know, <laughs> b- bigger seats or something. You'd sprawl out. But that's that's an insane amount of travel for, I mean, for the Olympic Games. And I, I know one of the other options they gave him was to quarantine in a hotel, I believe, for six days. So he would have been back on the grounds just for the final day of the Olympics. This is just a crazy story. Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't have worked, I don't think, for Doug no. anyway. Uh, poor Doug, but he's made it there and he's going in. My weird this week is a weird story about, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Adam, but on the last round, Colin Morikawa was standing over his tee shot on the 18th hole, 72nd hole, and he backed off. And then he went back and, and, and hit the shot. And there was some indication that there was some uh, flatulence somewhere along the way. And at first they thought it was Colin Morikawa letting a couple rip, and that's why he stood back maybe. Wasn't him. And then they thought, well, maybe it's somebody in the crowd. Well, they couldn't figure that person out. Anyway, it turns out somebody had put a little recorder or a little, I don't know what you'd call it, like a little tape recorder or, or sort of like an iPhone, I guess, into the long grass right by the tee, and it was playing fart sounds over and over and over. <laughs> so the guys were standing on the tee hearing these farting noises, and they couldn't figure out what was going on until some volunteer finally found the thing. And apparently no volunteer or nobody in the crowd owned up to it at first, but they did finally figure mm. out exactly what the situation was. So um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I've certainly ha- never had to deal with farting noises when I've been playing golf, at least not down, not in the clutch anyway. I don't know about you. No, Adam. I mean, you know, there's always the expression, whoever smelt it dealt it. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. for, for Colin Morikawa, th- th- this is just imagine being under that sort of pressure. Maybe you'd almost help him. Like you'd have to smile at that point. I mean, it's yeah. it's such a weird thing. Obviously, you're locked in, you're in the zone. But I think that would give you a giggle. I remember at the Open Championship back in 2018, on the 71st hole, Xander Shoffley was lining up a flop shot, and there was a baby, and the baby wouldn't stop crying. And eventually, <laughs> he he backed away, had to smile because it's like it happens. But yeah. uh, that, that's a crazy story, <laughs> I, and really the I, definition of three dub. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of who would come up with that idea and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record some fart noises and I'm going to put them, or I'm going to get a download, download some fart noises, and put it on this machine and have it play there right at the last holes. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know who would come up with that concept, but someone did. Someone uh, did. My what this week is uh, what have you noticed about Ricky Fowler lately, Adam? Oh. Have you noticed something different about him? He's wearing just like you are right now because I can see you through the magic of Zoom. He's wearing glasses. So we know about Ricky's struggles. We know about some of his difficulties. And he has gone to wearing glasses, started at the PGA Championship. And uh, it seems to be proving to be a good decision because strokes gained by Ricky before glasses, minus 17.4. This is putting. After glasses, (laughs) plus 12.05. That is a ridiculous change in his ability to, uh, to read the putts, and it goes to show you, I mean, I can remember one time, um, there was a great golfer by the name of Jerry Anderson, a Canadian golfer, who was, I think, the last Canadian to win on the European Tour, mm-hmm. and he was having all sorts of problems playing over in Europe until he figured out that his feet hurt after every round, so he went and saw some guy who uh, put uh, inserts, uh, you know, orthopedic soles inside his shoes, and after mm-hmm. that, he went on and set the scoring record and won on the European Tour. And it was a scoring record that stood for like about 20 years um, until Ernie Els finally broke it. But just little changes like that that you don't even think about can make huge improvements in your golf game, as Ricky shows. It's crazy. Like, I wonder, is there a different prescription in there? Is it just incredibly superstitious? There has to be something because, I mean, 
to go from minus 17 to plus way in the plus and strokes in putting alone because Fowler for years has always been known as one of the great putters in the PGA Tour, sort of hovers it inside 10 feet. Very pure looking stroke, really releases the head nicely. But this is this stat's mind boggling. It's crazy. Anyway, Adam, the tea is now yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Well, Bob, my winner this week is James Duffy. And you might think, this is Golf Talk Canada. James plays golf. James had a great match Around this time last year, it was uh, James Duffy. He was playing. It was Kyle Dubas was involved. Jeff O'Neill, Jerry D was also playing in that. So, so James plays golf. James actually had a hole in one recently. I uh, have to give a shout out to James Duffy for that. But if you'll also recall, I'm going to tie these together. How a fan tweeted at Max Homa, 25 straight days. You know, this is my day. I really want to play with Max Homa. Homa would sort of okay, like you know whatever, five days later, nothing, nothing. Finally, by day 25, Max Homo responded saying, you know what, 25, it's my lucky number. Sure, we'll play. So someone did the same thing to James Duffy. And this guy, Bradley James, uh, tweeted at James Duffy 21 straight days. And last (laughs) week on Twitter, Duffy put out a tweet, a video. It was James and Bradley James, James Duffy and Bradley James, Bob McKenzie, and uh, David Amber as well. They were playing in the group. So good for James Duffy. You know what? He, he's, he's a celebrity here in Canada. And Bradley James, obviously a big fan of, of Mr. Duffy. So, so good for James Duffy for doing this. That's pretty cool. And uh, I will give him props. He's, uh, he's a good man, James Duffy. I've had a chance to work with him, obviously, for many, many years. And he's a solid guy and, uh, and a great broadcaster, too, yes. uh, judging by the number of Canadian screen awards that he uh, always reminds us that he has. No, just kidding. But, <laughs> but he is a, he's a crazy avid golfer. He loves to play golf, and he plays a lot of golf. Yeah, good so good for, good for him, James. Uh, kudos. My weird this week is weird. Michael Campbell is playing in the uh, senior British Open, and he's sort of lining up, he, and, he, and he takes a practice swing, and his ball goes off the tee. So under the rules of golf, because he didn't intend to actually hit the ball, he could re-tee and go from there. We saw something very similar, of course, with Zach Johnson at the Masters a couple of years ago on the 13th tee. He, and Zach Johnson takes his practice swings very close to the ball. Very close to the ball. Maybe this is a lesson to not take your practice swing a millimeter away from the ball. But his, the toe of his club hit the ball. Ball bounced off the tee block at Augusta National. Zach Johnson swore. We never hear Zach Johnson swear. And the ball <laughs> no. moved about a foot. But for Michael Campbell, I mean, this is just a lesson to all tour players. Maybe just take your practice swing a little further away from the ball. No? Yeah, I think that's, that's a, probably a good idea. I've, I've seen it happen more often than you think, and not necessarily on PGA Tour events, but in other places. And I mean, on my own golf course, I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. But boy, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's the strangest thing to see. And the strangest thing, the only thing stranger is the reaction of the guy who does it, just like you're pointing out. It's so weird. But uh, yeah, Michael Campbell had a very strange moment for the 2005 U.S. Open champion. And my what this week? What an adventure the 18th hole on Saturday was at the 3M Open for Mr. Gary Woodland. We know what happened with Cameron Champ. He had a two-shot lead on Sunday, and he hit his tee shot miles left. Miles left. He barely he had to make an unbelievable par to win by two. But Gary Woodland on Saturday, he's known as one of the great ball strikers on the PGA Tour. Uh, always near the top of strokes gained off the tee. 
The 18th hole was playing very challenging that day. It was into the wind. A lot of, you know, triple bogeys. We saw Sung Kang make a 12 on that hole. Gary Woodland hits a shot, maybe a little off the heel. And this thing takes off right. And he immediately yells, go right. And the commentators are, go right. There's a water hazard. Gary Woodland's ball ends up right of the water hazard on the 18th hole. We've never seen anyone there. Have to give kudos to Brennan Little, our good friend Butchie, for getting the number for Gary Woodland. So he hits it over the green. And from there, he has to walk through the parking lot <laughs> to get to the 18th hole. Almost has to do, go all the way around the hole to actually get it on the, uh, to get near the putting surface. Chips it on, misses the putt. Routine par for Gary Woodland, but a very adventurous way to do it, that's for sure. It certainly was. And good to see Gary Woodland playing well. He's been injured for a while this most of this year, so he's been, uh, he doesn't have to worry, obviously, with that U.S. Open victory, but he was uh, down near the bottom of the 125 as well. Uh, he actually said that when he went to the British Open this year that he finally got to see his putting coach, Phil Canyon, who's a, a European tour-based uh, mm -hmm. coach over there, for the first time in a year and a half. So he says that certainly helped him with his putting. But um, uh, that was a definitely a weird way to do it. And it's it's almost like when I was thinking of the Players' Championship the last time we had it, when Bryson was going to hit it on the other side on the 18th hole. But the only difference is, of course, he was going to do it on purpose until they ruled that an internal out of bounds. But uh, mm -hmm. now that he's done this once, I wonder if uh, I wonder if DeChambeau ever plays there and says, hmm, that might be the way to do it. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, DeChambeau was in quite a duel a couple of years ago at the 3M Open where Matthew Wolf made an eagle on the 18th hole to actually beat Colin Morikawa, too, when those players were playing their fourth or fifth career P uh, professional event. And now we know where they have gone from there. Well, Bob, on the other side, we'll update leaderboards from around the world of golf and wrap up today's show right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off on Olympic duty. Time for some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in golf. Bob, let's start with the Evian Championship. All right. Minji Lee is now a major champion. The Australian golfer uh, with a one, well, the playoff victory over his young young Lee six. Uh, you let me know was a Third place finisher in there. Top Canadians, Brooke Henderson, was tied for 25th at six under par. And Lena Sharp, who's kind of a late addition to this field, got in and uh, she finished at uh, tie for 70 plus five. Uh, the price cutter challenge on the, um, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour. Dylan Wu, an American golfer who's coached by Shaheen Nakjavani, who's a Canadian guy from Montreal. He wins at uh, minus 27. Wow. That's pretty low. Wow. Dolo. And, yeah. Uh, some good finishes by Canadian players. Stuart McDonald is T16. He moves up to 59th on the on the uh, points list. Uh, Taylor Pendrith was tied for 19th, and he is 5th on the list. Uh, Adam Svensson was tied for 32nd. He is 10th on that list. Both Svensson and Pendrith have already booked their tickets to the PGA Tour for next year. Um, so the 
Good, good showing by a number of Canadians on the Corn Ferry Tour. All right, Adam, back to you. Okay, the senior British Open, Stephen Dodd, your winner, 13 under par, one-shot victory over Miguel Angel Jimenez and Darren Clark, finished two shots off the pace. Mike Weir was not in the field this week, nor was Stephen Ames. Mike Weir was actually enjoying a vacation, looking at his uh, Instagram account, so good for Weirzy for taking uh, some time and, uh, and traveling a little bit, which is nice. Uh, on the PGA Tour 3M Open, Cameron Champ, his third career PGA Tour victory. Mr. Runner-Up himself, Louis Oosthuizen, another runner-up for Louis. When is he going to win? Hopefully very soon. It's been quite a good year, but not great year for Oosthuizen, who's still looking for that first victory of the year. On the Canadian side of things, Adam Hadwin, T6, moving his way up to 107th on the FedEx Cup. Roger Sloan, T16, moving his way up to 137 on the FedEx Cup standings. And Bob, also a big week this week for the McKenzie Tour. Yeah, McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada is back in action. And that uh, is always good to, new, good, good to know. It's always good news. They're going to get things underway this year with a, uh, or this week in uh, Montreal. And uh, it's, a, it's an actually uh, an interesting field of players. I'm not sure yeah. if you had a look at it, but there are some big names in there. Jamie Sadlowski we were talking about. There's some veterans in there. Um, a lot of local talent uh, from the Montreal and Quebec area. So it's, uh, it's a great start. And I, I can't tell you how... Uh, happy I am to see this tour going. Now, there's a form tour, which is sort of the comparable um, tour because of the border operating on the U.S. side. And uh, Joey Savoie from Quebec, who was uh, an outstanding amateur golfer, now a young pro, and he was runner-up in that tournament uh, that they just had over the weekend. That's right. So looking forward to seeing the McKenzie Tour back in action. And starting next week here on Golf Talk Canada, we'll have a full recap standings update, and we'll hear from the winner as well. Uh, from this week's McKenzie Tour event. Speaking of leaderboards, keeping going here, Daniel Abbott is the winner of the Mr. Butcher $100 giveaway. Congrats, Daniel. Enjoy product. There are so much uh, variety and stuff you can get from Mr. Butcher. 20 weeks of tailor-made, only hours left uh, to win a FlexTech stand bag. All you have to do, follow Golf Talk Canada, TaylorMade Canada, Twitter and Instagram, and you're in the draw to win. And Bob, we have a very exciting prize that we're We'll be starting on Wednesday for week, I believe it's week 17 of 20 weeks of TaylorMade. So we're, we're in the wow. home stretch here. Of, of is, it a, is it a gold medal? Are they going to give away gold medals? As they say, Bob, only time will tell. I guess we'll, uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, only, only time will tell. But we got a couple minutes left here on this week's show. I will always look at the Olympics as a milestone for me because I started on Golf Talk Canada the week after the Rio Olympics. So this is now five years on GTC for me personally. Wow. So um, I've got a few you, more uh, grays in there. I'll have to get you some kind of a present, like maybe a pin or something, or a golf ball, used that. golf balls. A, a, used used, golf balls. a used Bob Weeks golf ball from the second hole at Weston. I mean, what, what more can <laughs> I ask? There's for? a lot of those. There's a lot of those. <laughs> I actually oh, well, Bob, a great, played it well this week and uh, made, still made a bogey. So there you go. Okay. Well, a bogey's better than double. So we're, we're making progress. We're getting a little better <laughs> here, right. which, is, which is great. Well, Bob, we're back on television this Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, TSN4. It'll be us. You and me. Mark will make an appearance with his edge picks for the Olympics. And that's where we're going. The majority of our show is an Olympic preview. We'll dive deep. We'll talk all about Corey Connors. All about Mackenzie Hughes. We'll talk about Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp. Their journey gets underway next week. We'll talk some of the notables. What can we expect from Rory McIlroy? Team, Team USA, excuse me. Hideki Matsuyama. We'll also have 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We'll hear from Derek Ingram. We have a jam-packed show, 
And you know what? We'll also have some Olympic apparel on, too, from our friends at Adidas Golf. Uh, it's a great time of year, Bob, with the Olympics here. Uh, it's been a wild super season on the PGA Tour, and now we'll be handing out a gold medal and discussing that uh, and much more next week. Bob, thanks for a great show. Thank you. Yeah, and just a quick quick uh, follow. Uh, someone reached out to me on Twitter, asked me if the Canadian uh, Olympic team golf shirts are for sale. And yes, they are. You can get them in pro mm-hmm. shops, golf retailers uh, around the country. So if you want to support them and look like, uh, look like the boys or the girls, you can, uh, you can pick those shirts up courtesy of Adidas. Looking forward to seeing what the Olympic Games getting underway let, uh, later this week. Go Corey Connors, go Mackenzie Hughes, go Team Canada. Well, coming up next on TSN 1050, it's Leafs lunch. Free agent frenzy just a couple days away. What will the Maple Leafs do? Jim Taddy, yes guy, coming up next on Leafs lunch. Thanks for joining us here on Golf Talk Canada, and we'll talk to you next time. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.